everybody. Welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. Today we're going to tackle the ideology of critical theory, also known as critical race theory, from the perspective of someone who has been in a cult. Critical theory, also known as critical race theory, maybe sometimes as critical social justice, is an ideology, or it's not really even a worldview because it doesn't fit all the criteria. So I really would say an ideology, kind of a way of seeing things, a way of thinking about things. And it's popular right now. It's everywhere. Sometimes they talk about it, and sometimes you just hear the buzzwords that let you know they're talking about it. It's not new. Critical theory has been around for a long time, but it's becoming more and more mainstream these days. And the buzzwords are getting more and more attention. And so things like anti-racist, systemic racism, white privilege, all those are buzzwords for this ideology of critical race theory. Now, I am not a expert at this, but I've been doing a lot of research and listening to a lot of people talk about this lately. And I just wanted to kind of come at it from my own perspective, just because as I've been listening to people talk about it, I'm like, gosh, this sounds really familiar. There are so many things about this ideology that just remind me of being in a cult. Like there are some significant similarities. And so I just want to just talk about that with you guys today, because so often this um, wokeness, people just get sucked into it because we want to be nice and we want to be kind and we want to be smart. And so we just kind of get sucked into some of these things thinking, well, that sounds pretty normal. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, that's that's got to be right. But that's how people get sucked into a lot of things that aren't true. So let's just talk about this. What is critical race theory or critical theory? Like I said, I'm not an expert. I would point you to my cousin's podcast, actually. His name is Dan Freeborn, and he has a very fun podcast called Freeborn and Liberty. And it's basically talking about critical race theory in the higher education system. So things, what's happening in universities. And he interviews a lot of really interesting people with a wide variety of backgrounds and opinions and perspectives um, from both sides of political stuff and just from different sides of just the way they view things. It's super interesting. So I'll link that in the show notes. But just for the sake of today, what are some of the main points of critical theory? It's a it's an interesting ideology. It's it's kind of shallow and yet very complex. And I love how people say that all the time on different things that I've listened to. They talk about that a lot. This is a shallow idea, but it's very complex. So it's basically this hierarchy of power. And it's all about power and it's about oppression and people who are being oppressed. And so depending on your race, you automatically are at the top or the bottom of this hierarchy of power. White people have the most power, so they're at the top. And women, so white men would be first because men have more power than women. And then then you've got women. And then you've got in this little hierarchy going downward, you've got people who are people of color, minorities, um, women are down at the bottom. So especially if you're like a minority woman, People in the LGBTQ community would be kind of at the bottom of that hierarchy of power. So it's all about power. However, when you get to find out about people's stories and their voices and like their perspectives, that little pyramid gets flipped over. So now we have like people with the least power 
have the most voice kind of a thing. So they have their stories are the most important and their experiences are the most important. And you can't, you can't come at them and say that's not really true because they are the ones with the least and most oppressed. They have the most power when it comes to telling their stories and their perspectives. Um, it really focuses a lot on this whole idea of oppressor and oppressed. So everyone is in a group and you can't, you're not identified as an individual. You're in this group. So you're the, either a part of an oppressed group or you're a part of an oppressor group. And it doesn't matter what you've personally done. You're just in this group automatically. And it's very much group focused versus individual focused. And the real goal is to free the oppressed. And so you can kind of see this actually, if you look at anything in our society right now, any of the situations that are going on across our nation, I mean, it's all, you can kind of see it playing out and realizing, wow, critical race theory is everywhere. People are really buying into this ideology because it's about this freeing the oppressed. So we need to give rights to people who are oppressed. We need to take away the people who are oppressing them. You can kind of almost see this within the defund the police movement because they think that police officers are oppressors. And these minority communities are the oppressed ones. And so we need to free them from these oppressors. It's this whole idea. And you can kind of see it like literally everywhere once you recognize it. So there's some real problems with this ideology. Um, yes, it's popular and yes, it's everywhere. But there are some real problems. There's not really a solution. So they have this idea. This is how we see the world. This is what's happening. But there's not exactly a solution. So like what happens if you finally free all the oppressed people and you flip that pyramid and now the white men are like the oppressed. Now what happens? Like, are we just all happy and we just live like that? Or do we have to free them? Like, it's just this kind of confusing, no solution thing. Um, there's no individuality. And I really have a problem with this because I think people need to be personally responsible for themselves. You can't just lump them in to a hole and say, well, you're just victims. You're always going to be victims. And over here, you're just always the oppressors. And you just need to like go sit in a corner and stop oppressing people when they haven't ever really done anything. It's just this very much this group mentality versus individually. And that's just that's just rough because you're just stuck. You're stuck in that place and there's really no way out. As we're seeing in our nation, this ideology really leads to hatred and to violence. People are trying to free the oppressed and you just kind of see everyone in this just negative light. You just are suspicious of people. It's It's very strange because... It seems to be this ultimate truth, this critical theory, in this vast sea of like relevant truth. And so we live in this postmodern culture where we're like, oh, there's no truth. It's just our truth and your truth, and it's fine. But critical race theory is definitely the truth. And there's no way to push back on it. It's really interesting because if you push back at critical race theory as a white male or a white woman, then you're going to be told that you're privileged. You're just, you're just showing us your privilege. However, if you push back on it as a minority or as someone in the LGBTQ community, you're going to be told that you're internalizing your oppression. And so there's like no way to fight this. And there's no way to really like debate it because it's just like, oh, no, this is absolutely the truth. And if you don't agree with it, well, then you're racist or you're internalizing your oppression. And so it's just this like kind of bizarre um, circular reasoning. <sighs> Another problem that I have is that it pretends to restore this power balance. Like it's it's acting like it's going to fix this problem, which we know, I mean, brokenness caused by sin is never going to get fixed by people trying to fix things. But it actually gives power to very few people. And it creates these permanent victims and these permanent oppressors that just have to go sit over there and check their privilege and not 
do anything. I mean, it's it's just weird. So it's everywhere and um, it's not great, but let's talk about it from the perspective of someone who has been in a cult. What would be me? I would like to give you my perspective as somebody who has been in a cult because there are some very cultic things about critical theory and critical race theory. Things that just stood out to me because I'm like, hey, I've been there, done that before. Um, this sounds very familiar. So first of all, it's very black and white. And growing up in my cult, it was all black and white. Like it was right or wrong, this or that. There was no gray area. And critical race theory is very much like that. People who buy into this have that same idea idea that it's black and white. It's very us versus them. And it's very divisive. And I see this just when I was in my cult, like it was always about us versus them. Like people who were in IBLP and ATI and following Bill Gothard and the rest of them who were bad. And so it was like this very much us versus them, very suspicious. And I totally see that within this, this ideology, that it's very much divisive. It's very much us versus them. It pretends like it's going to be something that unites us, but there's no possible way that it can when it's always like looking at people and saying, well, what group are they in? They're obviously not in my group. And you know, they're trying to oppress me or whatever. Or then if you're like someone who's like, but I'm not oppressing anybody. Like what's going on? Like I'm not, I haven't done anything. You just feel like this animosity, this division. Here's a big one. So within critical race theory, there's a lot of changing of the definitions of words. And if you look into this, I would encourage you to do some research, look into this, and you're going to say, wait a minute, these words that they're using, they, they don't have the same meaning that we've had and online, meanings are changing. Like they're changing the definitions in the dictionaries and stuff like that to, to match up with what they want. This is a huge red flag to me because this is what happened all the time in my cult. We changed the definition of words. And it wasn't like there was any reason behind it or any kind of evidence. People just changed them. And that happens in lots of cults across lots of different places. Like this is something that happens. Words get changed. The definitions get changed. And when they're doing that, that's just a massive red flag to me. Like, wait a minute, why do you have to change the definition of that word? It's just a big, big no-no. There's no room to debate or push back. We talked about this a little bit. There's no room to debate this theory. There's no room to push back on it. And that's exactly how it was growing up in my cult. There was no room for debate. There was no room for pushing back. You were just part of the world if you didn't understand. Well, you weren't You didn't, weren't part of the enlightened ones. You didn't understand. You didn't have that secret information like we had. And there was no way to push back because we were just right. And that's exactly how it's going with critical theory, which is dangerous. Um, here's a thing that just gets me. Every good cult is going to have their ideas tied to deep human needs or desires. In our cult, they were tied to the whole desire to have success and blessings and have your family turn out right. And like to know you had this formula for, for getting things accomplished and like having success in your life and, and all this kinds of stuff and being um, blessed by God. And there's this desires that we have. We desire to have a life that's, that's good, that's whole, that's, that's healthy, that's, that's comfortable, that's safe. And there's a lot of critical race theory that is tied to these deep, human needs and desires, these these needs to not be oppressed and these needs to have freedom and and to be unified. And they promise this kind of stuff, but the problem is they don't necessarily deliver. It's it's backwards. You you say this is what's gonna happen, but then you look at the actual evidence, you're like, this there's more division than ever. 
There's more violence and hatred than ever. Like, how is this accomplishing anything? It's fear-based within and without. And it was so fear-based in my cult. I mean, everything was about not messing up so God didn't get you. Or even just like not messing up so the leaders didn't see you as being a bad person. Or your parents. I mean, it was very much authoritarian and stuff like that. But critical race theory at its core is still fear-based because people are afraid to push back on it. They don't want to be labeled as a racist. They don't want to be canceled. And so there's this fear of pushing back on it. But I think there's some fear inside of it too, because you're like afraid. If you buy into this and you're afraid of being an oppressor or you're afraid of the oppressors, there's a lot of fear. And fear, as we talked about before, is a very powerful motivator. Like if you can make people afraid, they will do whatever you want. And so this is very, it's at the fear-based again. And I understand that having been in a cult, I get that. (laughs) Not based on evidence, yet enough truth to convince. This is totally, totally what happened in my cult. It was just this twisted truth. None of the stuff that we were taught was really based on evidence. It wasn't based on biblical stuff. It wasn't good hermeneutics, but there was enough truth to convince us. It's like you just put this little sprinkling of truth on the top. People are like, oh yeah, that's true. And then they just buy into it. And I discovered this when I was going through my classes after I graduated from high school and was doing some online classes through our organization, that there really wasn't good truth to back up the things that they said. Like often you would look at one or two points and be like, well, yeah, that's true. But then the third and fourth point, you'd be like, that's not true. And by the fifth point, you were like, that's bogus. And critical race theory is very similar. There's so much truth that's just kind of sprinkled on top that you're like, well, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that is true. I mean, white people do seem to have more privilege than minorities. And there's enough, there's enough truth sprinkled in there that you buy into it. And you're like, well, yeah, that's, that sounds right. But then when you actually dig in, you're like, wait a minute, whoa, 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 what's going on here? And so it's just dangerous. Any, any, any kind of a cult, any kind of a lies like that, it's going to have that just a little truth sprinkled in to suck you in and make you buy into the lies. And finally, I was just, as I was listening to these people talk about critical race theory, I was like, you know what? This reminds me a lot of that whole idea of having this secret information, this special understanding that we had. We were told that um, our leader, Bill Gothard, had this special understanding from God, that he had secret hidden wisdom. He would go away once a year and he would do these um, fasts with God. And he would supposedly come back with this hidden information and this secret stuff that he had discovered from God. And honestly, it reminds me so much of this whole idea of being woke. Like we have the truth. We understand how it really is. The rest of the world doesn't get it, but we are special. We have this secret information. Guys, you know how I feel about everything, about life, about truth, about finding balance. I don't believe it's ever going to be in the extreme sides. Like we're never going to find truth in the extreme sides. We're only ever going to find it in balance, in the middle, somewhere, understanding it as we seek to understand perspectives and and people and God and the Bible and all of that kind of stuff. This world is broken. It is broken and people, broken people are never going to be able to fix it. And this to me is just one more example of us trying to fix it in our broken humanity and falling desperately short desperately short as we seek to make sense of this world without God. Without God and without understanding who we are as people created in his image. And it's never going to work. And it's always going to have negative outcomes. But I I kind of wonder, as I look at our society and I look at everything, there's, there's more to this than just humans being broken. Because there's an enemy and he hates God and he hates us and he wants to destroy God's creation. He wants to destroy us. 
And so when I look at this, I just see so much um, satanic stuff, just lies, just really the enemy. It's, it's just interesting to me to see that there's enough truth in these theories to be believed. And yet it pushes people away from God. That is not just humans doing this. I mean, there's, there is some spiritual darkness behind this. And not being individuals with personal responsibility, how in the world are we supposed to personally be responsible for our sin and realize, like, I, I can't do this. Like, I, I need help. I need a savior. If I'm just always blaming someone else, if I'm being a victim, if I'm just saying, well, it's not my fault, like, I, it's not my fault. Like, how are we ever going to recognize that we need Jesus? We are individuals who are sinners who need a savior. And Jesus is there for us. We just have to trust in him. But it's not going to be part of, because we're part of a group. It's because each person is responsible for their own behaviors and their own choice. Are we going to choose to reject Jesus? Or are we going to choose to accept him and take his gift of salvation? Like that's an individual decision. That's a personal decision that has to happen. There is so much guilt and shame within critical theory. People using guilt and shame to try to motivate us. Like that is never from God. Ever. Guilt and shame is not from God. And finally, when I look at the chaos and the division that's coming because of this ideology, that is not, that's just, that's what Satan wants. Like that's what our enemy wants. He wants to divide us and destroy us. And there was so much division. There was so much chaos. There's so much violence and hatred. And there's not a way out by ourselves. We've got to have Jesus. We, we have to, we have to have help. We need a savior. We need someone bigger than us who can see from a bigger perspective and who can understand who we are as people, that we're all created in the image of God and that he's made us unique and special and different and that it's our responsibility to to follow him and to love him and to, to accept the gift that he's given us. And yes, it's our responsibility to be kind to other people. Like I said, there's just enough truth in there to just make us feel like this might be the truth, but it's not. It's twisted. It's so twisted. So I would just encourage you guys, if you have not done any kind of research into critical theory, critical race theory, go ahead and just do some research into that and to realize like this is not, it's not truth. Like it sounds like truth. It seems like this might be good, but it's not. And it's got some serious red flags, especially as you look at it from a cultic perspective. We, we need truth. We need solid truth. And we're not going to get that unless we understand through a biblical worldview of who we are as people, as broken people, what this world is, as a broken world, and who God is as our creator and our savior and one who loves us so much and wants a relationship with us. Like He's the only one that's going to satisfy the desires and the needs of our heart. Like He is the only one. We're never going to find it anywhere else. And we'll try because we're enemies of God, but it's never going to work. It's never going to work. Um, guys, I am going to take a break next week. So it's Memorial Weekend next week. So there'll be no podcast coming out next Sunday. And then we're going to jump into our little summer series, which is going to be just lighter and, um, I don't know, maybe goofier, but also just going to have some good truths. And it's just going to be um, summer at camp. And I'm just going to share with you guys some of the goofy things that happened as I lived five summers at camp and as I grew and changed and became um, a more normal person, (laughs) went in as a former cult member with my long hair and long skirts and interesting ideas about the world. And then eventually, as I came out um, more more normal and just as God grew and developed me and as I was able to have those summers just to to grow up and to change and to go through those developmental stages that I desperately needed to go through. So I think it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. They'll just be short, fun, fun stuff. 
every Sunday. But like I said, break next week and then we'll be back at it in June. All right, you guys, uh, thanks for listening. If you want to do me a huge favor and um, if you enjoy this podcast and you want to leave me a review or even just like a five star or something like that, I don't know how, wherever you listen on your different listening devices, um, that would be awesome. Help other people find this podcast as well. And as always, until next time, keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylynnwood.com. For more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.